From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Podcast. So glad you stopped by. I hope you're equally as prepared for the episode as, as I currently am. Another store has opened in Kelowna. We, believe it or not, we are up to four cannabis stores now. So welcome to Flora. We chatted and we popped in there to take a look at that store, talk a little bit about that. It is really fun to be back at work. It's probably not a surprise. I'm having a blast at work, sharing my cannabis knowledge and helping people acquire some cannabis knowledge of their own. And of course, some product that's going to make them feel pretty good. And the thing that I was not expecting was all the swag. I have got more golf hats than than I have had in a long time from all the various uh, cannabis companies. That's really cool. Plus, I got some other merchandise. In fact, I got a pipe from Burnt, and we're going to be using that pipe on Cultivar Corner today. We're going to use some hashish from Original Stash. Now, we've talked about this before, but I found a great article on the dis- that dispels the myth about this constant need for higher THC and why we shouldn't really be paying extra for that, and it's the wrong thing to be paying attention to. And that kind of ties in rather nicely with another story I found about a recent lawsuit against Aurora, Tilray, and others for inaccurate THC amounts on their labels. Mm-hmm. All of that and more is coming your way on episode 49 of the Cannabis Podcast. And as I indicated, I am having just a blast at work. And I've been having a blast getting a lot of the swag that comes along with working in the cannabis industry. I had not really expected all of this. Like, as I mentioned, I have probably a different golf hat for every day of the week now, even though I don't get to golf every day of the week because I'm working. (laughs) But that's a whole other issue. So that's pretty cool. I filled out a survey that was being done by Made By You, uh, putting out a, a new, some new vapes. And as part of that, so it's BRNT is the company that is behind that. And they send some swag. I got a really cool shirt with only good vibes on the back of it. And also a hat. That's one of my golf hats. It's a little pretty little yellow one that I love wearing on the course. And this burnt pipe, one of their prison pipes. Really, really a cool pipe. And I have been having a blast smoking some hashish in that. We'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. Not to say that perhaps I might have already sampled some of that to get to this point. No, 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 It's it, that's not true. I have not smoken any hashish yet today. So that's some of the swag that's been happening. That has been a blast. We also were giving away some pins in our store for a promotion that Spirit Leaf was doing, these peace, love, and harmony. How can you not get behind a store where the marketing campaign for 2020 is peace, love, and harmony? I mean, that just speaks to my very core. So I've been having a blast giving out those pins and other swag that we have available in the store. It's been a blast. That's how things have shaped up for June and July in 2020, not perhaps the 2020 that we were expecting to have. But if we follow the concept of stay healthy and stay high, I think we're all going to get through this. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. A really interesting story I came across just a week or two ago. It's found on the Cannabis Law Report website. A written article is written by Terry Buell. The headline is Aurora, Tilray, and other Canadian cannabis companies sued 
for selling cannabis product with false potency levels. Interesting twist. Multiple big-name Canadian cannabis companies are being taken to court in a class-action lawsuit for false labeling of products with regard to their THC and CBD levels. Additionally, companies like Tilray are also accused of using plastic bottles and plastic liners to package and sell their products to consumers, which can cause physical illness or degrade the level of potency, according to the lawsuit. The suit, obtained by Cannabis Law Report, was filed June 16, 2020, in the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta. As recently as February 13, 2020, lead plaintiff Lisa Marie Langwin went to a cannabis retail store in Calgary called Canna Cabana. She bought cannabis that was packed and distributed by Tilray Canada. After she took the recommended dose given by the salesperson, she didn't feel anything. Langwin then consulted her doctor, Dr. Darren Clark, and showed him the bottle. Dr. Clark became alarmed the product was sold this way because the lawsuit indicates she had read studies in the U.S. that show cannabis or CBD stored in plastic or with a plastic lining can leach the product and degrade the level of potency. Additional cannabis manufacturing experts interviewed by CLR said digesting plastic can also cause damage to the liver and pancreas. The lawsuit shows plastic bottles with plastic lids that Mrs. Langwin purchased. One of the bottles bought is sold under the Tilray brand of Canica 10-Up, 10-0, with an advertised THC level of 10.4%. Pitting as if she'd been sold a product with false advertising, Langwin continued her research into other Canadian manufactured cannabis products and learned that there were many similar advertised products with THC potency higher than labeled on the bottle or CBD levels lower than advertised. Working with Dr. Clark, she sent products to third-party testing companies and both were alarmed at the results. The lawsuit states this loosey-goosey practice of poor testing could have caused the plaintiff physical harm as a new user of cannabis. Cannabis Law Report has recently reported on how a U.S. CBD wholesale company in Colorado Springs, Folium Bioscience, was falsifying its Certificate of Authority reports and allegedly selling CBD products not as advertised. It's unclear from the lawsuit filed against Canadian companies if a similar practice was followed or if something else was behind the alleged false labeling of products. Now, the lawsuit names these companies as having THC or CBD levels as mislabeled. Edison Cannabis, an Organigram product which had only 71% of the labeled amount, Cove Reflect Hybrid, a Kronos product, which had 118% more of the labeled amount, Aurora Sativa Drops, which had 54% of the labeled amount, Northern Harvest, which had 64%, Metafarm Labs, which had 119% more than the labeled amount, Ag Medica Bioscience, which had 54% of the labeled amount. Additional defendants in the class action lawsuit for common law misrepresentation include major cannabis companies, Hexocorp, Alifia Health, Emblem Cannabis. The suit filed is filed under the Superior Court of the Province of Alberta, which enters only to the Appeals Court at the Supreme Court. Some interesting activity on the legal front in relation to cannabis sales across our country. And we have talked before about storing cannabis in plastic. It's not the best location. I encourage always people to move their cannabis into a glass container, if at all possible. It will be interesting to see how this lawsuit develops and where it eventually ends up and see if there's any changes in the industry as a result. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner, go to the corner, oh yeah. Go to the corner, please explain this stuff to me. And 
We are in for a tasty treat today on Cultivar Corner. I've got some hashish. I've got it loaded up in my burnt prism pipe, and we're ready to go. Let me give you a description of what I've got. So, it became available. I mean, it's been available on the legal market for a while now. Original Stash is uh, one of the producers of it. And this is their product. It's called OS Hash 10. Now, interestingly enough, the OS Hash 10 is purported to have THC values between 30 and 39%. Mine came out at, let me give you the exact amount, at 34.08% THC. Whereas the OS Hash 20 product has THC between 20 and 30%. I don't quite understand the naming nomenclature there. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss the hashish. Now, their hash is a hybrid single strain, and the OS-10 is a hybrid single strain. The OS-20, oh, I guess that's the other difference. The OS-20 is an indica blend. So with the hybrid single strain that I have, nice, sticky piece of hash, they create it through what's called the dry sift method. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's pretty simple. The dry sift method is known to produce a clean, tasty extract because it's solventless. It uses minimal processing beyond the separation of the trichomes from the flower. This type of hash is made by sifting through a micron screen dried cannabis flower, which has been mixed with dry ice. Dry sift hash is made with keef, which are the trichomes or the cannabis crystals that contain the cannabinoids and the terpenes. Hash is one of the oldest forms of cannabis extracts. And I have in front of me right now some tasty little hashish. Uh, it's a dark brown in color. Uh, I used to do a lot of blonde Lebanese back in the day. And I'm just taking a look at this using my uh, jeweler's loop and see if I can see actual trichome still in the hashish. And let me see. Let me take a peek. Oh, my goodness, you can. Oh, very cool. I've never looked at, at hashish using a jeweler's loop before. It's kind of cool. It is just a mass just a mass of trichomes. <laughs> That's very cool. Glad I did that. So, it is some hashish we've got in front of us. And uh, I think it's time we gave this a taste. Because uh, smoking in a bowl, I mean, obviously, there's a number of ways to do hashish. We used to do it using hot knives. With the danger, uh, occasionally, one of those knives would slip and burn a lip, as has happened. I think, in fact, I told a story many, many episodes ago of my father-in-law finding our hash knives sitting in the cupboard or in our kitchen cupboard. Uh, that's, a, as I said, another story in its entirety. I am smoking it in a pipe, this really nice, pretty prism pipe uh, that I got from Burnt. And uh, here's a taste of Original Stash OS 10 hash. Oh, there's no question. Hash has such a sweet, sweet taste to it. Mm, I have... Always loved hashish, and I guess I always will. Mm. Now, when I smell the hash itself, and, and I guess I'll describe it a little bit more. So it came in a one of the typical envelopes that our cannabis is being sent in these days. The double whim, where we have to, it can be resealed again. I took mine immediately out. And inside of that, it was in a further, a little tiny plastic bag. And in that plastic bag, there was a two gram chunk and I measured it and it was two grams exactly. There was a two gram chunk of some really nice hash. 
not perhaps as hard as some of the blonde Lebanese that, that I used to get, some of the black Afghani hash back in the day, so to speak, but really well compressed. Oh, and it just has that sweet, that sweet, spicy scent of hash. Mm, very reminiscent of the hash from days gone by. And as it turns out, I just put a little bit of a flame to one corner of my little chunk, peeled off a couple of nice little bits. That's what's in my pipe. And here we go with hit number two. Mm. I'm just going to let that roll around in my brain for a little bit. It is definitely a different taste sensation. No question about it. Oh, I had forgotten how much I love the taste of hash, but it's all coming back to me now. Now, of course, another way to consume hashish is uh, we used to just put a little bit on a pin, end of a pin, throw the lighter to that little chunk, get it a burning, and blow it out and just, just take it right off of that pin. <coughs> For those who are inclined to have some tobacco in their experience, not my favorite choice since I became a non-smoker 10 years ago. But for those who do, uh, putting it on the end of a cigarette also works. You can draw the hash off the end of that. Oh. And I've talked recently about this whole concept when consuming cannabis to take yourself to just enough. Have I reached the point where I'm feeling as high as I want to be at the moment? And because this is an additional day off for me, I... I've just decided that I want to get really baked <laughs> this afternoon. And so I'm diving back in. And I am well on my way to really baked. Again, I can't stress enough the, the wonderful taste of the hash. They've done a really nice job. I think, sure, it could be a little bit harder, but they've done a pretty good job of compressing it, presenting it. Uh, it really takes me back to a long time ago when I used to smoke a lot of hashish. Oh, and uh, in terms of effect, you know, it's funny, we were talking at the store the other day about sometimes your cannabis strains, what you're smoking, can have a bit of a creeping effect. You know, you, you finish token it, and after three or four minutes, you don't really feel much. And then at the five or 10 minute mark, suddenly, whoa, okay, here it comes. I can't say I've had a creeper in a long, long time, and I would not classify this as a creeper. This has come on pretty strong for hashish in the 30 to 30, uh, 34.08% is what my particular batch is. Mm. Tastes good, feels good, has a rather wonderful effect. My, I, I realize you can't see it. Of course, it's not a video podcast, but my face is just a beaming right now. I am smiling from ear to ear uh, in a really good place. This is creating a very euphoric effect for me right now. In fact, kind of leading me towards some creativity, which I guess is appropriate because I still have to do a couple other segments and put the whole thing together. So I think I am appropriately inspired and appropriately ingested to finish this process and to finish this podcast. So there you go. This is from Original Stash, Hash 10, their Dry Sift Hybrid Hash, and it is definitely worth the taste. And now I guess it's appropriate after having some hashish at 34% THC that we come to this story. <laughs> and this is from Forbes.com. 
give credit to the guy who wrote it, Chris Roberts uh, from Vices. Good job on the article and uh, some really interesting information. Science reveals the cannabis industry's greatest lie. You're buying weed wrong. And so is everyone else. There's much more to cannabis than THC. For solid proof, look no further than the CBD boom. But when it comes to moving product on the legal recreational market, only two numbers really matter, the list price and the THC content. I can't tell you how many times people come into the store and the words they say are these. I want the highest THC for the lowest cost possible price. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Back to the article. Superpotent cannabis flower with THC percentages of 25% and up dominate dispensary shelves. High THC cannabis will sell out very quickly while lower percentage weed gathers dust. When cannabis tests at more than 25% THC, dispensaries can justify charging $75 or more for a store-bought eighth because there's a very good chance people will pay it, confident that they're taking home the best and most potent weed available. If the weed's in the teens, well, it better be cheap. And again, I've seen that as another sidebar many, many times where the higher THC, we had some in the store that was at 27%. We had some that was at 30%. And needless to say, that had a premium price attached to it. THC shopping is almost as bad and dumb as buying wine based on how cool the label looks, which is also how some people buy weed. Now, not only does THC content have nothing to do with how good the weed is, as recent research conducted by the University of Colorado and published in JAMA Psychiatry found, THC content is also a poor indicator of potency. High THC weed doesn't even get you more high. Researchers at the University of Colorado at Boulder's Institute of Cognitive Science documented the experiences of 121 cannabis users. Half the study participants were users of cannabis concentrates, very high THC cannabis extracts, and the other half preferred cannabis flower. Both groups received cannabis at varying strengths. Flower users tried cannabis flower at either 16% or 24% THC. And extract users received oil at either 70% or 90% THC. Researchers checked study participants' blood and monitored their mood, cognitive function, and intoxication level before, immediately after, and one hour after use. As the researchers expected, the concentrate users had very high levels of THC in their bodies after use, but they weren't more high. In fact, every participant's self-reported highness was about the same, as were their measures of balance and cognitive impairment, as CU noted in a news release. Medium THC flower, high THC flower, all the same high. This is not what the researchers were expecting. People in the high concentration group were much less compromised than we thought they would be, said co-author Kent Hutchinson, a professor of psychology who studies addiction in a CU news release. If we gave people that high a concentration of alcohol, it would have been a different story. Consider the cannabis flower users. 16% THC compared to 24% THC is a big difference, 50% stronger. How can users of such different strength products report such similar psychoactive effects? The short answer is a theory that cannabis connoisseurs and cannabis scientists have been saying for years. There are many more factors at play than THC. Put slightly longer, judging a cannabis strain on its THC content is not unlike judging a film based on the lead actor. The THC number isn't going to be an indicator of the performance. 
One very large exception to this, edibles. If one edible says it has 100 milligrams of THC and another says it has 10 milligrams and you eat the 100, you will absolutely be higher longer than if you ate the 10. There are a host of cannabinoids, including CBD as well as more than 100 others, most of which aren't even tested for. And even if they were, would the average buyer know what to do? There are also aromatic compounds called terpenes, which we have talked about so much on the Cannabis Podcast. Terpenes dictate how cannabis affects the mind and body. All of these work in concert. A phenomenon known as something else we've mentioned many times, the entourage effect. This is why synthetic THC simply didn't have the same medicinal effect as smoking weed. A good way, maybe the best way to determine if cannabis will be good or at least good for you, is to smell it. And that's something I learned with the Tricome Institute's interpreting, of course. But in legal markets like California, that's now impossible. Pot is sold in prepackaged containers, and it's the same in our store. You can't smell the cannabis anymore. And the coronavirus pandemic eliminated what limited opportunities there were to smell cannabis. Some shops let you wave under your nose a designated smell jar, a few buds in a container with a perforated lid. But even that's not happening any longer. But back to THC numbers. Cannabis researchers know it's not an indicator. Cannabis growers and sellers know it's bogus. And yet, here we are. The market simply hasn't caught on. And merchants, by putting high THC cannabis out on the shelves to satisfy the misdirected market demand, are ensuring that the misunderstanding continues. It's a shame, said Neil Delacaba, the co-founder of Gold Seal, a San Francisco-based cannabis brand that specializes in high-end flour. I find stuff that's absolutely amazing that I have to throw in the trash because it tests at 18 or 19%. At that level, despite an amazing terpene profile, the best smoke I've ever had simply will not sell, he said. People just don't understand, he added. When people go shopping, they look for two things. They're looking for price, and they're looking for THC percentage. The THC fallacy persists despite everyone's best efforts. Both Instagram influencers, as well as cannabis entrepreneurs and advocates, have tried to explain that the THC number is, at best, a rough estimate, and a number that, depending on the lab that came up with it, might be inflated or suspect. And we've been saying this for a long time on the Cannabis Podcast, that it is not just the THC level. I try to get that across to a number of customers as well, a number of guests who come in, and there's still those who are stuck in the old idea that it's all about the THC level. With this much momentum, it's unlikely science will change anything. It's going to take a long time for buyers to adjust their habits and realize that THC content isn't like alcohol by volume on a beer label, after all. Until they do, connoisseurs can take advantage of the market inefficiency and take home superior pot with lower THC levels at a reduced price. It'll just require a little more work on the consumer's end. But it will also require cultivators of lower THC, higher high weed to have demand high enough to keep them in business. And that's far from guaranteed. And it's really interesting. We have had a couple of strains. In fact, I, if you remember, I talked about one last time from Caliber, Lemon Z. Well, Caliber also has a berry white that's on the indica side. And both of them feature THC levels in the 10%. And I've had a number of customers who have tried them, come back and said they really enjoyed it. And they're appreciative of the fact that there is some lower THC content out there. What a diversity of consumers we have in the cannabis world. <laughs> Everybody's tastes are different. Everybody's experience with cannabis is different. 
but I think we can all start to agree that we've got to stop saying that the THC value is the absolute number one criteria when shopping, because remember, it is the entourage effect that we're after, and that means it's a little bit of everything that's in your cannabis. Well, after having our store open for about seven weeks now, it's nice to have a fourth entry in the Kelowna cannabis market. Still, I had somebody in the store the other day from Alberta, where, as we've talked about before, there's like over 400 stores across the province. Not all of them are doing fantastic, let's be honest about that, but still, they have lots of stores. And they're just amazed at how few stores there are in Kelowna. Well, there's now a fourth. So there has been, up to this point, Hobo, which of course was the first legal recreational store to open in Kelowna. That was followed by Chiba's Chiba's. And then that was followed by the Spirit Leaf store, uh, Spirit Leaf Kelowna, which I'm happy to be a part of. And now there is a fourth entry, and that is Flora Cannabis. They are just a few blocks away from us. In fact, there was, I think I mentioned it on one of the episodes, where there was competition where there was a third store going to be close to both Flora and Spirit Leaf. And the city council decided to not proceed with that additional license. So we're reasonably close to each other in terms of the neighborhood. And that's what the neighborhood needs. It needs some diversity. I'm really happy to welcome Flora to the neighborhood. I popped into the store. It is quaint, shall I say. Compared to our store, which is one of the bigger stores that I have been in from a cannabis perspective, it's very tiny. But serving the neighborhood, I think it will do just fine. Jesse, who's one of the people that I talked to inside the store, was very accommodating to me and appreciated getting to know him, seeing what some of their stock was. A lot of the same stock, but they had some different strains as well. I picked up some shishkaberry because you never go into another cannabis store without buying something, right? <laughs> so I picked up an eighth of shishkaberry from Jesse and enjoyed the taste of that. And it's just very pleasant to welcome them to the neighborhood. And so that's number four. Our city has licensed 20 cannabis stores. That was what, well over a year ago. But to date, there's four that are open. <laughs> Maybe things are going to suddenly start to heat up and we're going to have a plethora of stores suddenly appear on the market. It's got to happen at some point. We're going to go from four to 20. And then I guess we'll see how strong the cannabis market here is in the Okanagan and see what happens with all those various stores. But it's fun to be along for the ride. Uh, I'm certainly enjoying my part of the experience, being part of the industry, as I change my cannabis hat again to a, a different cannabis company. <laughs> it's a lot of fun being on the ride. So that is the retail outlook and how things are here in Kelowna. And once we get our, what will be our fifth store, then again, I guess we'll make some noise about that. And we'll see if we suddenly start to have a whole bunch of cannabis stores show up here in the Okanagan. Uh, I still have not forgotten about the chocolate fondue, by the way, Steve. I, I know you may have thought I have forgotten about it, but I haven't. Uh, maybe I'll try and get that next time. I'm also trying to line up another discussion with my friend David Wiley. He has had some experience recently in trying to access from a medicinal perspective and did not perhaps have the success he was hoping for. So I'm trying to get him lined up and I'll have, hopefully have that for next episode. And of course, as always, you'll find the links to everything that I've talked about today at CannabisPodcast.com. And if you want to comment on anything, give me an idea for somebody to interview. I always appreciate that at info at CannabisPodcast.com. And that's it for episode 49. 
of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.